dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Heather Parry and with me is my co-host Kirsty Logan. Yay! And today we're both wearing hats. We're outside, it's not raining yet. <laughs> I think like we should say what we're wearing every time because it's yeah. just gonna get colder and colder so I'm wearing gloves today for the first time and a woolly hat. More and more layers we're getting on. <laughs> I like the woolly hat, you do look like a bee. You're, you're I've black got and yellow all one. yellow, yellow gloves, yellow hoodie, black jacket, black everything else it's cute i like it can we have a moment for my jumper please oh Which yeah it says sunnydale high school class of 99 it's very cool thanks i like that you're wearing Doing that with a velvet skirt yeah <laughs> it's my thing it's, it's actually because it's the warmest thing i've got but um i've decided it's my new look <laughs> i just decided that i can't wear anything but really thick jeans from like september onwards yeah you can i've got tights i've got thick tights but i just never convinced that they're going to be warm enough no they are and do you know what i know you don't like snag for some reason but they do no like... I, i've got loads of snag stuff in Oh, well, someone else has a thing about snag that they refuse to buy them, which I'm like, fine, you're wrong, but fine. Mm. Um, but they do like extra thick ones as well, which oh. are really warm. Okay. Yeah, recommend. We're not We're sponsored, also not by, sponsored snag. by snag. We will take sponsorship from any of these people, but we are not sponsored. We just like them. Do you know what else we like? Pool party. Oh my God. By Linda Cargill. Episode two, and what an episode. I mean, can I just say this book is a lot. <laughs> It's yeah. really a lot. And I feel like we should have known it was going to be a lot based on the cover. Because that's really a lot, that cover. That is a lot of a cover. I Tell mean, us about it, Heather. I kind of like the colour scheme yeah. in that. It's like a pale pink and a pale blue and a black. But then it looks so awful. It's very, like, Saved by the Bell colour scheme. Yeah. So it's got, like, it's on a... It's What we're seeing is the... Co- like, the corner of an indoor pool. Oh, no, it's an outdoor pool. And that's inside. That's where I'm pointing at there that's inside. I so, think you'll find from the book it is called an indoor-outdoor pool. Right, yeah. Well, this is why I'm confused. Um, so we can see the corner of a blue pool, and then you can see someone's like very 90s sunglasses. You can see metal and wood like pool uh, chairs, some buckets for some reason, um, a life preserver thing, blah, blah, blah. Whatever windows going to inside or outside are like ombre pink and blue. Um, and then there's like a pale rainbow coloured what's that called parasol yes but then in the pool yeah the real highlight is what's in the pool in the pool is like the face of Eminem but like massive or a cross between Eminem and Michael Myers which is confusing because we'll get to it but the ghost is meant to be a beautiful young woman and I'm sorry <laughs> that's a guy that's Eminem <laughs> yeah that's a white man yeah and then um pool party is in like horrible like weirdly textured um, silver sharp writing with a, a black shadow. Yeah. And, a, and Linda Cargill says they're in pink. And also everything's just sort of on a weird angle. on. Like nothing's to scale. Like there's a <laughs> cup that's been tipped over which is for some reason enormous. Oh I thought it was like, a bucket. As big as a sun lounger. Yeah. No I think it's meant to be a cup. Right. But it's like they've just put all they've just pasted all the elements in all the stock photo elements in without like blending them in in any way which is Very kind strange. of what goes on in the book <laughs> <laughs> and shall I read the tagline yeah go on come on in the water's fine oh that's alright it's not too bad this book was one ninety nine at Goodwill right? bargain 
Yeah, given that it's like going for 60 quid on eBay. I know, if you see it for 199 Buy it. Snap that shit up. <laughs> also, don't pay £40 for it. I'm sorry, it's not worth it. it it's really just isn't. not worth £40. Okay, are we ready to get into the story, into the meat of it? Yes. Diving into it. Uh-huh, nice. Uh-huh. I like it. Diving into meat? Yeah, I, I tangled that up a bit, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Let's backtrack. Let's pretend I didn't do that. Wow, I'm sorry, but Linda Cargill's thing, it says, to Leo, who invited me to my first pool party, and to my parents... Alice and Larry Bogner. Oh no. <laughs> Who built me a backyard pool? Larry Bogner. have pools, don't they? I don't. Crazy. It's wild. It's my dream. One day I'll have a pool. One oh, day. Yeah, it is your dream. Okay. Sharon is having a pool party to quote, this is how kids talk, get reacquainted with the kids in the senior class now that she'd moved back from Atlanta. She'd been out of the social scene for one whole year while her father had worked for an international import export firm and her mother had sued her father for divorce. <laughs> Now get prepared for that density of information because <laughs> that's what's happening in this book. Also get prepared for the just ridiculous way that Linda thinks that teenagers speak. Just like that. Oh yeah. my God, I'm going to get to it because this book is not set in the 90s. It's set in the 50s. <laughs> Some of the dialogue, my God. <laughs> okay, ready? Everyone, everyone is invited to the pool party with expensive guilt-edged invitations, including... Boy Crazy Angel DeFazio, <laughs> Class Cynic Sue Riley, the editor of the school paper Vicky Munslinger, definitely <laughs> doesn't come from Mudslinger, nice one. <laughs> but here's the thing, Sharon didn't invite them. Then there's more drama because she's got a new boyfriend, the tanned blonde surfer Phil, who comes to the school cafeteria wearing swimming trunks. <laughs> and nothing else. I mean, no, he's wearing a top and flip flops, but also trunks. But are you... What, okay, so I'm you imagining thinking, a Speedo. Yeah, okay, so... Like a wet Speedo. David Bloomfield wears those kind of uh, swimmers, but no one else does in real life. I'm imagining, like, to the knee. Like shorts. Yeah. I oh, don't maybe know. a Speedo. Again, at that age, David would have. So. He's described as eating spaghetti, so I'm picturing a man in red Baywatch, <laughs> tiny swim trunks, eating, fully eating spaghetti. <laughs> In a cafeteria. Now he's just the Hoff in my mind. <laughs> yeah, he is. Actually, let's picture him as the Hoff the oh, whole time. Okay. Her ex is the curly-haired, bespectacled Dan. This is why she broke up with Dan. Quote, he paid too much attention to his rock and mineral collection. <laughs> Which is a common problem for teenagers. Maybe he's in love with his rock. Jethro? Oh my God, maybe it's Jethro. <laughs> That makes this book a lot more interesting if he's gay for Jethro. It does. Oh, bye. Bye for Jethro. Bye for Jethro. If anybody's <laughs> making cross-stitch, please do bye for Jethro. Um, torn, torn betwixt woman and rock. So, are there too many characters yet? Because now we're on page nine and there are some more. We meet the head cheerleader Donna and the cool gang of girls who inexplicably are called Elaine, Marge and Ruth. <laughs> I'm sorry, those are not the names of cool girls in the 90s. They would be called like Tiffany and Jennifer and Rebecca. Marge. They would not be called Elaine, Marge and Ruth. <laughs> Which is why I'm saying this book is set in the 50s. It's not set in the 90s. Maybe it was. Does it say anything about when... 96 as well, that's late 90s. I know. Yeah, maybe she just had it sitting around. Maybe she's like actually 70. I think what happens with a lot of these point horrors is the authors write it based on their own memories of adolescence, mm. which was like in the 50s and 60s, yeah. not in the 80s and 90s. That's a good point. So I think that's what's happened here is she's like, the cool girl at my school was called Marge. 
So I'm going to call her Marge. She would not be called fucking Marge. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, that's what's happening. So Sharon and her mum, Mrs. Jones. And do you know what's weird? I know someone called Sharon Jones. Oh, I feel like I also know a Sharon Jones. Yeah. Just quite common name. So that's quite, I think, a believable name for somebody in the 80s to be called Sharon Jones. So Sharon and Mrs. Jones live in Ocean House, which is a fancy but rundown hotel that they're renovating. And can I have the book to read you the description of the pool? And this is going to be a moment where you need to come up with a mental image. Okay. You know how terrible I am at that. Yeah, but let's try. So here we go. This is the pool, the indoor-outdoor pool. There was a circular area in the shallow end where the steps descended into the pool. As it extended towards the deep end, it turned rectangular and tapered down to a narrow point where the diving board was positioned. So long and then tapers. The shape reminded Sharon of something she had once seen but couldn't exactly remember. Is it a dick? (laughs) Wait, wait. So it's got a circular so it's got a wide it's bit got a at one end. Circular and head. It's got a wide bit at one end and then it sort of tapers. It's a dick, <laughs> surely. I mean, I would go knife, but sure. Wait, sorry. It's got a circular end. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns into a rectangle. And then it goes to a point. If that's what dicks are like. I haven't seen one for a long time. <laughs> I'm starting to understand why you don't do dick. <laughs> yeah, they're not my bag. So... Let's just think of boobs instead. Mmm, delicious boobs. I can't actually fathom what that shape is that she's describing. We'll find out later. So, it's time for the party. It's super fancy. There are caterers and waiters. But Sharon didn't order any of that. Yeah, and can I just talk about these super fancy caterers? I'm ready. So, the cook insisted upon perfection. He wouldn't serve any steaks until someone had found the salt. I'm sorry, what are you doing with salt? at that stage in the cooking. I don't, I haven't eaten a steak for 12 years, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Mr. Jones, if you would stand here and watch the steaks for a minute, I'll get back to my man. So what, you're cooking, you're like a haute cuisine chef, and you just leave the steaks like in the pan for like- For some rando to watch. Yeah, I would think the best way to cook a steak Take is- Take it off the heat. You, you salt it prior to cooking by like hours, um, and then you put it onto hot heat very briefly, right? That is the best way. I don't know what the fucking salt is doing at this stage. Uh, but would someone go into the kitchen and grab a salt shaker? The idea that like a really fancy ass chef would just be using like table salt. For <laughs> like, maybe this is me bringing a lot of my biases to this. I'm like, you'd have Maldon and you wouldn't need it at this stage. Moving on. And you wouldn't just go and get it yourself if you've not got a sous chef or yeah. something? Anyway, that's what happens. Um, Another important yet tedious plot point is that the cool girls, Donna, Elaine, Marge and Ruth, (laughs) all sounds so stupid, are all wearing fancy jewellery from Dave's treasure trove. To a pool party. I guess. What? So Dan turns up and what I've tried to write is he says something is hinky, but my autocorrect has changed it to kinky, so (laughs) fine. It's because hinky's not a word. Dan says something is kinky. Isn't it? (laughs) Hinky. Well, anyway. That's what he says. Again, as you said, the cook misleads assault, goes to get it, and doesn't come back. Oh my god. And one by one, again, for some fucking reason, the cool girls say that they'll go and find him. So Donna's like, I'll go and find the chef, and she doesn't come back. And then Elaine says, I'll go and find Donna. It's like the old lady who swallowed a fly, and then blah, blah, blah. God. And then Marge goes, and they all disappear. Now that is the end of chapter one. (laughs) Fuck, I am so, so exhausted already. So that all of that was chapter one. Ugh. 
Are you ready? Next day at school, <laughs> Sharon meets Irene. Oh my god. Have you got the description of Irene? No, I, I haven't. Do you, want me to, do you want to tell me the page? So it's on page 28 and it starts, the girl was about her own age. Okay. Um, the girl was about her own age with long sheeny, sheeny, What's like Mr. Word? Sheen, <laughs> coal black hair down to her shoulders. She was very elegantly dressed in designer shorts and a matching top. <laughs> I cannot imagine that. <laughs> Just designer shorts. Oh, God. Okay. Her legs were long, slender, and crossed in front of her. Her arms and hands were perfect, too. Sharon told herself she had never seen anyone so beautiful in her life. She also, oh, she's got violet eyes. Oh, amazing. So, we were looking for the queer content like we had in The Surfer, which was also Linda Cargill. I think we found it. I think uh, Sharon's got a thang for Irene, <laughs> the can, most beautiful woman she's ever seen. Can I just read this bit as well? <clears throat> Sharon, this is Miss Irene Cragmore, the daughter of Mr. Cragmore, the franchiser from whom we bought the right to operate this resort. That's how people talk. <laughs> and this, they're from England for some unknown reason. From whom we bought <laughs> the right to operate, operate this franchise resort. From whom came. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Irene is doing a drawing and it's something that she says that she's seen in the tower room of ocean house and it's this weird doll and so they go to the tower room of ocean house and they see the doll and sharon says quote it even feels like real skin yeah is it a real doll (laughs) like like one of their sex dolls yeah i mean i did think what the how how is it or maybe it's supposed to be a real a dead person maybe well yeah because I have another question later. How big is this doll? Anyway, <laughs> human that's what size, happens. no? The following happens, right? So Sharon gets a crank call, and here's how it goes. I'm going to do the whole conversation. This okay. is going to be relevant. So ring, ring, ring. <laughs> the the person on the other end says, "You know where Donna, Elaine, and Marge went. You put them there." And Sharon says, "Who is this?" The caller says, "Somebody who sees everything that you do." Sharon says, "Leave me alone." And the caller says, "Look under your mattress first then the phone goes dead. So four sentences, they right. say. Then the police come. They arrest Dan. Here's what's found in his pockets. Gold jewellery, like the missing girls were wearing. Oh. A gun. And a transcript of the phone call. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Which is for... So he couldn't remember the following. You know where Donna, Elena, Marge went. You put them there. Somebody who sees everything you do, look under your mattress first. And also, I couldn't remember that. Transcript suggests that he wrote it after the phone call. So, like, he taped the phone call and then, wait, I'm going to write down what I said. Well, interesting that you should say that. (laughs) We'll come back to it. We're still only on chapter two, by the way. Okay. So, then Why would they call it a transcript, though? Wouldn't they? they? Sorry, anyway. I know, it should be a script. Yeah. Shouldn't it? Weird. A plan. So, then here's what happens. Sharon finds a hanky embroidered with the initials CW and from the balcony thinks that she sees CW on the bottom of the pool. Sue, remember her friend Sue, have mm-hmm. you lost track of the characters yet? <laughs> Sticks up for Dad. I really love this bit, but the other kids think that he did it, and so we have this. Sue even found a snake in her locker. And this is just done as like a throwaway comment, but I was like, a fucking snake. A fucking snake. A, like a, a real snake. <laughs> is it alive or dead? Maybe that's normal in America. I just feel like, should that be not be more of a big deal? 
to yeah. find a live fucking snake or even a dead snake. Just imagine a girl going into a locker opening it as a snake in it. She goes, oh, not again. Not again. <laughs> I hate this. I have to put this in my box of snakes. Got to put it in the snake report. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got like your normal bin, your glass recycling, paper recycling, <laughs> snake. And it's just full of real life snakes. Full of snakes. Going, it's just done so casually. Like, there's so many elements in this book. They're like, and then there was a snake. The end. Gotta get the snake guy in again. About this snake infestation. <laughs> so then Dan gets released. He tells Sharon that he didn't do it, but he just made it look like he did for some reason. And here's how he did it. He went and bought some gold. He wrote down the phone conversation after he heard her tell the police about it, so it was a transcript. But they wouldn't have known. And then here's another thing that just gets blocked in and is never returned to. He pickpocketed the gun from the, a policeman. I mean, to be fair, they can be quite stupid. I mean, that's frightening. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he took a gun away from the police and the police apparently didn't recognise the gun, didn't, didn't know it know was there, didn't notice it was gone, and at no point has anybody still hasn't noticed. Dan, just go and buy one from like a shop. It's much easier. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's what happened. So I'm not feeling that confident in these police. So then... I, Sharon, I've got points about the police that I will bring Oh, I'm later. excited. So Sharon gets back together with Dan. I love this so much. And, you know, because she's gone from Steve, Bobbo, what's he called? <laughs> the other <laughs> guy. She's gone back from Phil to Dan. The other kids call her lover, lover for hire. <laughs> <laughs> this is apparently a, a school in That's Phil what Collins song. That's what would say. <laughs> they don't call her like a tart or a slapper or a slut or anything of those horrible words that teenagers would say. They call her lover for hire. I was laughing so hard about this. I had to tell David what I was laughing at, and he went, "I was like, I don't think any kids have ever said that." And he went, "I don't think any people have ever said that." If you're like, I've got a new boyfriend. Oh, lover for hire. Oh, lover for hire. Lover. I've never heard anyone under twenty-five say lover. Lover for hire. <laughs> So, <laughs> can I um can I just point out that there's a bit where she's like lamenting what she's just done. Go on. And it it literally says, "Why had she kissed Dan and liked it?" <laughs> anyway, anyway, it made me laugh. <laughs> I love love of hire. I'm going to use that so much. Don't love her for hire. Shame me. <laughs> so back at the hotel, another plot strand is added. There's a psychics convention. <laughs> I love these psychic women. Because there's, there's not enough going on in this story, so then we have this psychic convention. Sharon, I love this part. Oh my God, I love this book. Sharon sees Irene throw a knife into the pool. She fishes it out. It's solid gold. <laughs> and it has, it has CW carved into the handle. So she looks in Irene's purse and she finds an ID for Sandy Roberts from Virginia. Can we also just Not point out... Irene Cragmore from England. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about her English accent? So this is a bit. Um, Irene asks in her crisp English accent, I'm going to try and do what I assume okay. their meaning is. Are you quite feeling all right? You've had quite a case of the jitters lately. <laughs> what? Very Mary Poppins. <laughs> what, like, decade or century are you from? Like, why... It just feels so weird and unnecessary to have her be English. I think maybe when Americans write English accents, 
it sounds weird to us, but I don't, maybe they're because I'm not so used to hearing them. Yeah, true. Weren't you watching I'm, something the other day with a really bad Scottish accent? Yeah, I was watching a TV show uh, called The Haunting of Bly Manor, and I just hated it so much that usually when I start watching something and I don't like it, I look up some reviews to be like, is this worth continuing? And I looked up some reviews, and generally the American reviewers thought it was really good and didn't mention the accents at all, and the British reviewers didn't really like it and said the accents were all appalling mm. so I'm like I, maybe it's just because they're not so used to hearing the Scottish accent was especially funny mm. but probably if you're not really used to hearing them it probably sounds fine yeah but it was very overdone it was like Annie said m- my wife Annie who has a very Scottish accent was saying what she thinks has happened is he's been listening to Sean Connery right. or maybe even Mel Gibson Wee, doing God. great heart because it was very overpronounced. Oh no. Everything was very Scottish. <laughs> I think we are really used to hearing American accents because of media. And we're used to hearing loads of different accents because there are just so many in the UK, like really mm. close together. You know what I mean? Like half an hour away, someone sounds completely different to you. So you, you're you attuned to hearing that and recognising it from really like young knowing age. knowing pretty exactly where in the country people are from just based on their accent yeah so like they have different accents in america of course but i don't think they're i think they're like much more spaced out and like like and they cover a wider area do you know what i mean yeah i remember finding it weird that it was on some show that i was watching that two americans had just met and they were talking one of them said oh where are you from and then they i don't know said where they were from minnesota or whatever I remember thinking, British people don't really do that unless you have a strange accent that they can't tell where you're from. See, I always do that, but with people who are from close to me. So, like, I rang up to do my internet, like, reschedule, renegotiate my internet. And I interrupted him to say, wait, where are you from? (laughs) He was like, Barnsley. And I'm like, oh, I'm from Rotherham. Because it's I just heard someone from Rotherham and they sounded nothing like you. Yeah, I have no accent anymore, which is why they're always surprised when I'm saying I'm from there. Like, are you lying? You sound like vaguely northern. I think I also have like vaguely northern accent. Yeah. Can't really specify. Mine can get a bit mid-Atlantic. Oh, yeah. From talking to Americans. Yeah. And sometimes a little bit Australian. So, this is what happens. We're still not even halfway through the book. So here's what happens. Sharon sees... Have you lost track of the characters yet? Irene, Sue, Angel and Vicky having a midnight meeting at the pool. We're halfway through the fucking book. Okay, this is everything that happens. Then there's another pool party. The final cool girl who didn't go missing before, Ruth, she now disappears. But like, don't have one. Don't have another one. I know why they have another one. Don't have another one. Because I guess you're like, can't happen again, can it? (laughs) And then here's what happens. I need to talk about this part. Cops in scuba gear search the pool. How fucking big is this pool? Why do they need scuba gear? What, Why one, have you made a pool that's so deep that you need scuba gear to go to the bottom? I don't believe they would. I think they could maybe do it with um, a snorkel. Can't they look with their but, eyes? Yeah, maybe just they could do it. I've never eyes. seen a pool that you can't just look and see to the bottom of it. I've never seen a pool where, like... If one person was in scuba gear, that wouldn't take up most of the pool. There was like a place in Doncaster um, where we used to go swimming, and it had like a it had deep pools because they were high diving boards, like proper diving yeah, boards. Yeah, the pool I went to as a kid had it was like a diving area, so it was really deep. Yeah, and even then end. you would not need. That. Even then, you could stand on the edge and look and see if there was like <laughs> a bit of a, somebody's plaster or something was at the bottom. <laughs> there was always a plaster in the pool, wasn't there? Oh yeah, do you know what? It was always mine. Stop going to the pool. Why did you go to Stoke to the pool when you lived in Rotherham just to put a plaster in it, Heather? I've never been to Stoke. I couldn't point to it on a map. I lived there for 12 years and I couldn't either, so (laughs) let's not go there. So 
in this book with absolutely no fanfare, the bodies of four missing teenage girls are found stabbed and buried in shallow graves in the woods. It's really glossed over. It really is. <laughs> and it's sort of not really re- returned to at the end either. It's just like, remember those four girls that went missing? Dead. <laughs> just dead and wait until you get to why they were stabbed later okay can i interject with a weird thing please um i'm gonna put my jacket on so excuse my rustling what is a steaming cornbread hush puppy yeah i'm gonna get to that okay weird isn't it yeah i don't know it's some weird american food stuff that i don't i don't know what it is like someone's to me a hush puppy is a shoe (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know what it is to be honest um so Sharon meets with Dan in the woods, but the police raid them. And then Sharon thinks the following. Who had gotten physically close enough to her over the past few days to plant a mic on her clothes? (laughs) I just don't think that's how it works. You can't put a mic on someone, especially not in 1996, days ago. Has she not changed her clothes? Kirsty, if you can pickpocket a gun from a cop, <laughs> you can put a mic on someone. Just thought, that's not how it works. I've been, like, mic'd up for stuff before. and like You have to put it inside your clothes and then... Even if it was, like, a wireless hidden one, like... Maybe they mean a bug. But even then, you can't... I don't believe they had that technology then, that you wouldn't <laughs> notice. And how could it have been days ago? Hasn't she changed her clothes? Is this set in the same world as the TV show 24? <laughs> Maybe. Like some kind of James Bond technology. <laughs> anyway, back to Irene. Bam, check a wow. She is painting by the pool in a pink silk Chinese robe that contrasted gorgeously with her thick, black, waist-length hair bound back with a gold beret. I was like, I'll just fuck her already. <laughs> this isn't Irene. This is M&S Irene. <laughs> <laughs> She really fucking fancies Irene, which, I mean, fine, she sounds like a babe. So then, we're nearing the end now, thankfully. Dan finds a letter in the doll's foot, which again, I'm like, how big is the doll? And why are you taking his foot off? Why indeed? Oh my God, is he putting his dick in the leg? Why'd you have to go to the dick? (laughs) Why'd you always have to go straight to the dick? You've broken the dick barrier this episode. Maybe it should always be a competition. Who's going to break the dick barrier first? Like, snip the ribbon, the dick ribbon. (laughs) But the scissors are just dicks. And the ribbon is also dick. (laughs) Just dicks all the way down. Sorry. Uh, I saw a tweet this morning that was... Somebody had posted, it was obviously meant to be a joke, and someone had said, oh, I was just clearing out the house and I found these old family photos so let me know if anyone wants them returned and I was oh, like Do you, and I was like really squinting at the pictures being like what is that is that a house is it a chair it's a it fucking was a dick, dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was a trick dick <laughs> I was fooled into looking at dicks when I didn't want to <laughs> oh. so then Dan finds a letter in the doll's foot and just like in the surfer we get a long long <laughs> long it's too- Backstory. It's too long. I'm just going to sum it up in a few different, a few sen- a few different Please. sentences. <laughs> Please not do. Just the yeah, same. not just the same. <laughs> over and over. So here's what happened. The doll belonged to Charlotte Williams. CW. On the hanky and the pool and the golden knife. So she just embossed her initials on everything she owned. Apparently. Fair enough. Even her knife. I wonder if it's on her pants and spoon. Toilet. Oh, I thought you meant the knife was on her pants and I was like... 
Sorry, I don't, can't no pass that sentence. Do you not have a pant hook in your knife? Of course. I mean, your knife hook in your pants. Of or course. a pant hook on your knife. <laughs> Moving on. So, the doll is creepy and ages with her as she grows up. Weird. When she gets older, she marries the profligate waster, Charles. This is, you get a vocabulary lesson in this episode I like as well. it. It turns out that the ship... Queen Isabella, which is that from the surfer? Isn't that what the ship in the surfer was called? The Queen yeah. Isabella. <gasps> so there's a Cargill verse. Oh my god. I want to live in the Cargill verse. Yeah, right? <laughs> there's so many hot babes and like weird old sea myths. <laughs> it's your dream. <laughs> yeah, right? That is what's in my head already. <laughs> so we have uncovered the Cargill verse. Pretty happy about that. However, the ship Queen Isabella was wrecked. Not drunk. Smashed. Ah, also not drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Too many words to mean drunk in Scotland. So what happened is they took the gold and hid it at Ocean House somewhere. And that's why Charles seduced her to get to the gold. Charlotte dies and Charles tears the house apart looking for the gold. He's like ripping the walls up, ripping the floors up, everything, everything. One day he's up on the roof and he's ripping the tiles off the roof and he looks down and he sees the pool glimmer and he thinks, gold. And he falls off the roof to his death in the pool. And as he falls, he sees the doll watching him from the window. Now this story is 13 pages in the book. So again, how big is this doll's feet? (laughs) That you can get 13 pages folded up and fitted, fitted into its foot. Can I also posit a theory as to where this story came from? Go on. I once read that you can fit all the gold ever mined in the world into two Olympic swimming pools. Right? Wow, really? Yeah, because I mean, think about it, that's why it's expensive. It's but there's rare. lots of solid gold things. But then, like, the volume of two Olympic swimming pools is that's quite true, that's quite big. a lot. And most lot. gold is, like, very thin. Yeah, most people who have gold, you have, like, a, like a minuscule amount of it, that's really, true. don't you? Um, and I think she's just read that and thought, huh, gold in a pool, gold eh? in a pool, you say? But also, like, I don't understand, because is it that instead of tiles, the, the pool is, like, entirely gold? I think it's, like, underneath, because I think the point is the pool is black. The pool is tiled black, which I guess is why they couldn't see yeah. into the bottom. But I feel like you still would be able to see it, because yeah. it doesn't have lights in it. But anyway, yeah, so I think it's, like, tiled black, and then the gold is underneath. So how could he see it? When he was at the top of the thing. Oh no, he couldn't. He right. just, I don't know, imagined it. Okay. I don't really know. It was the ghost of Charlotte. Okay. Weird. Who I'm imagining it as Charlotte from Sex and the City. Oh yeah, Charlotte York. Sort of like being sort of really uptight and prissy, but also gold <laughs> and having a solid gold knife. I don't know if she would have that, but I wish she would. Yeah. I feel like it would really add depth to her character. So at this point in the story, I'm thinking... How the fuck does anyone know this to write this down then? Yeah. Linda Cargill was thinking the same thing. Because then what happens is both the characters of Sharon and Jambo, what's his name? Phil? Francis? No, the Dan? other one. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Bilbo? <laughs> they, they both look askance at the doll. That's good. That was a good askance. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like my face is often askance. <laughs> In fact, I just did a thing, a thing on the television, <laughs> and on the Scottish television, and 
I had to be very much in control of my face at all times because you're only actually on camera for about 20 minutes, but you're in the background for the remaining hour. Mm. And I was, I'm very aware that my face often does things that I don't mean it to. Like it looks pissed <laughs> off or bored or askance. Well, I <clears throat> did um, a presenting to camera thing for the Edinburgh Book Festival. Oh, that's so hard. And for the entire hour, your face is on the screen. So even if it's the other person speaking, because we're all doing it via Zoom, you've got their screen and my little screen. And by the end of it, also, you, so you've got to be like smiling while they speak. And that's really hard because you don't want to be like, mmm, doing a proper smile. You don't smile want to do like over the top facial expressions. Yeah, so you've got to do a sort of like, but also my face is also kind of like a bitchy face. <laughs> so I needed to do like a tiny little like, Hmm, that's very interesting. And, and here's my supporter face. And then face. you get sore cheeks. Oh my God, I was like twitching. This cheek was twitching by the end of it. It was awful. You did a good job though. Thanks, pal. You have good facial control. And then on my second one, I got a 20 minute break because someone did a presentation. And I was like, thank God. Thank fuck. Were you just going to like a massaging your face? Yeah. Be like, <laughs> See, I'm very aware that I have, I don't know if I've got resting bitch face. I've definitely got listening judgment face. Yeah, you have. It's I know. terrifying. I know, I think, I think people think that I'm a very judgmental person when actually I'm just listening to them and thinking, gosh, this is interesting. I'll tell you an idea and then I'm halfway through, I'm like, oh, she hates it and wants to kill me. Happens to me all the time and it really took me a long time to figure out why. And the only reason I figured out why is that there were pictures from my mum's wedding um, to my stepdad, which was only about uh, 10 years ago. And there were sort of candid pictures. And I remember I was listening to my aunt tell me something. And in the picture, I looked like I'm going, bitch, really? <laughs> but at the time I was thinking, this is really interesting. I love my auntie so much. <laughs> but that is not what my face was doing. It's very scary. And can I also say, I keep meaning to say this on the podcast. I just want to do a brief shout out to anyone who is living alone during this time of COVID. Because I think it's a really, really hard time for everyone. But I think it must be particularly hard for people who live alone because... Every time I go away, so on writing residencies pre-COVID, by the end of a month, I would be so desperate for any kind of human contact, like not even sexual, just like a hug or just anything, like to just sit on the sofa really close to someone because you don't get that. And I just think, fuck, it's been over six months now. Mm -hmm. That's a really long time. And you don't even get like those accidental touches. You know, maybe you're in a cafe and someone like touches your shoulder to get by or someone hands you change and touches your hand. We're not even doing that right now for mm. health and safety reasons. And I think that must be really hard. So if anyone listening has had no human contact, no physical human contact in this whole time, that's really hard. Mm. And I don't really have any answers, but I just want to say that- Here's a virtual hug. It's really tough. Yeah, here's a virtual hug. And it's really tough. And the reason I got thinking about this Again, this is this horrible name droppy thing to do, but on the TV thing, I was hanging out with my new friend, Neil Gaiman. I knew you were <laughs> gonna say Neil Gaiman. But he was actually really nice. I thought he was gonna be a dick, but he was really nice. And I said to him, <laughs> so of course, we were all pretending that we didn't know anything about his very high profile divorce that we all knew about. So he was mentioning all this stuff and we were like, oh, interesting. Can't imagine well, what you're, you're talking about. <laughs> oh, didn't know anything about that. I didn't see that on Twitter at all. Uh, Cause I was like, I wanna just talk to him like a human being, you know? Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I said, oh, so, because we were talking about dogs mostly as well, because he had a dog and we were talking about our dogs. And I said, oh, so you've been by yourself through this whole time without a dog even. How's that been? And he said, it's like been really horrible, actually. And I thought, oh, my God, this super famous, really rich, charismatic guy that, like, loads of people adore. Mm. Like, he's been lonely as well. Separated from his kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really hard. So I guess that just got me thinking, fuck, it must be really hard, because I've had a hard time enough. And I live with my wife and my dog, and I get hugs from them hmm. so anyway that just got me thinking about it that 
think everybody needs human contact. Yeah, we're thinking about you. Yeah. Anyway, back to the book. stupid book. <laughs> <laughs> just suddenly thought about that, and yeah, I just want to mention it. So, <clears throat> back to my looking askance at this book. So then they figure out, as you said, the gold is in the pool. Guess who the killer is? Phil. Yeah, why? Phil the killer. The filler. Which was very obvious because there, he's like too nice and everyone's like, oh, we need him. Like her mum's like, oh, we need Phil. He's such a great guy. And it's like, well, obviously it's Phil. He doesn't seem like a great guy. No, he seems like a real controlling asshole. Seems like a dick. We'll get to him in the sexy sociopath section. Okay. Can I, sorry, can I, but while we're uh, getting onto this, mm-hmm. can I talk about the police? Oh yeah, I'm ready. Because <clears throat> I was going to go onto his motive, but let's do police. So... Uh, this is when, uh, is that Dan? Is it Dan Jones? Dan Evans? Sorry? I think it's Dan Evans. Dan Evans. Or is that, yeah, Dan is Evans, that a you're right. Person? Dan Evans and Sharon Jones. Are they Welsh? It must be. <laughs> it must be. Um, so yeah, he's talking, the police chief. The police chief, right? So bear that in mind. Chief he's talking, Wiggins. He's talking, well, it fucking could, could be. Talking to Mr. and Mrs. Evans, Dan's parents. <clears throat> Your son's out of jail on bail awaiting trial. Everyone's supposed to be presumed innocent until proven guilty, but this is a bit much. So, so I'm sorry, you're the police chief, and you've just decided to, you can't be bothered with the fundamental thing of, like, American law. Like, I know, I know we're not supposed to say he definitely did it, but, but I think in did. this instance... I think in this instance we can all agree, let's not bother with the trial. And then, she, yeah, this is a bit much. If he didn't commit the murders himself, he claims his buddies with the murderer and isn't going to squeal. Right. So that means he is innocent. Squeal. In fact. <laughs> yeah, they... Well, it's so bizarre. Anyway, that's my point. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> the police the are police just are jokers in this book. And also, Phil is incompetent. Well, is he incompetent? He did manage to complete four murders. Here's his motive. Are you ready for this? So Phil wants the gold that he believes just like... Uh, what's his chop? Sam. No, Charles. Charles. Charles believed that the gold was on the property he also believes that that's why he got together with Sharon and here's his motive for killing those four girls they wore gold jewellery from Dave's treasure trove but it was cheap and so he had to kill them so that when he found the real gold at Ocean House their fake gold wouldn't devalue that real gold what? that doesn't make any sense that's literally what it says in the book is his motive why didn't he just take the jewellery why didn't he go to the fucking shop and oh. steal all the gold out of the shop. But why would some cheap jewellery that's not real gold devalue real gold? Like, the art, it I, mean, also, I don't if, really feel like people who sell incredibly expensive jewellery. Tiffany's isn't mad about Argos, yeah. Elizabeth Duke range, are <laughs> and, they? And also, if it's so bad that some clueless teenager knows on site that it's not real gold, well, how are the people who trade in gold going to be <laughs> fucking fooled? I don't know. What? The thing is, he didn't even say it was fake gold exactly he was just like it's bad gold and you're like bad gold bad gold what does that mean it's gold or it's not gold like plated gold plated I don't know I mean surely the vast majority of gold jewelry that you get is gold plated what a necessary series of deaths <laughs> there's just no need Phil there is no need for this Phil but that's what he did and then we go through how he did everything here's what he did he made the cold spots in the house that, that the psychics convention noticed by messing with the air conditioning. He moved the doll around and put red paint on it so it looked like it had blood on it. These are all bits I didn't go over because this is really fucking a lot in this book. <laughs> and then, this is my favourite part, what about the chef that needed the salt? Well, Heather, what happened is he hid the chef's salt shaker by stuffing it in his swimsuit. 
up his arse. It doesn't say up his arse. It says in his swimsuit, which I'm still picturing as a red speedo. So I'm imagining his cock and balls in the swimsuit with a salt shaker, like, nestled in beside it. Well, here's what I'm imagining. Salting his penis. I'm imagining those... You know the ones, salt shakers, that you get in all sort of hotels? Where it's, like, tapered up from the base to a little pointy silver... And there's only one place. About where there is this. only one place that that can be hidden in nature's pocket. I don't like that. That man has got a salt it shaker. It's the right shape because it's even got a flared base, so you're not so you want to lose, lose it. it. Exactly. Maybe this is the source of all his conflict. Maybe this book is queerer than we think. Maybe we've got man called twixt, twixt rock and woman. <laughs> And we've got a guy who's driven to murder by Do the I... fact that he's had to put a salt shaker up his anus. Do you think he and liked he it or didn't it. like yeah, it? Do you think he was situation. troubled because he did like it? Of course. Men can be... It's complex reaction to these things. <laughs> they can. I can tell there's, there's no need, guys. You don't have to. It's okay to put stuff up your bum. It's okay just to like what you like. And also, while you're up there, just give your prostate a wee check. Why not? Just to give it a check. Do you do that if you put your... I was going to say hand... <laughs> Finger, hopefully, up a butt. Do you check the prostate? I mean, how, I do you, how do you know if there's something wrong with it? Are you are you asking me personally because yeah. I don't have a prostate? Yeah, I mean, not of your own butt. Um, well, I mean, I don't know what... I think boys have to do it themselves. Oh, do they? I don't know. I wouldn't know what it feels like. No, that's what I'm saying. How so, do you know if there's something wrong with isn't it? it <laughs> isn't it you only know, like, from the inside? Like, like oh. your G-spot? If someone else touched you... No, maybe they would know. If it's sore? I don't know. If it's too big. We're not doctors, people. I think it's that it continues growing. I think your prostate continues growing. No, like, d- always. <laughs> because I think... Is it if, growing right now? I think it is. I have read somewhere that in an infinite timeline, all men would get prostate cancer. Really? Because, be, yeah, like, and that's why you get it as you get older. Because, is this making sense? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if, like, everyone lived to 150, the rates of prostate cancer would go through the roof. Oh, but you might floor. die of yeah. something else first. Exactly. That is interesting. That is useful medical knowledge if it's true. I read a fucking stupid huge thing. if true. I read a really stupid tweet the other day from an American like right wing person that said the the like general age of death for people who die of COVID is like eighty one or something, and then the people who die not of COVID is eighty two. So he's like, so oh no, or the other way around. So he's like, right, so you're better off getting COVID because you live longer. And I was like. It's not, not like they got it and then lived with it for that. Like, it doesn't... The previous people only just didn't get it because they were dead. <laughs> like, what? Come on. That's so, that's not how that works. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> when people fundamentally misunderstand stuff, you're like, no, that's not... No. Having COVID didn't stop them getting cancer or get hit by a car or die of old age. That's like when I do get a bit suspicious when people, usually who are peddling some kind of miracle vitamin supplement or like well you know in medieval times people didn't have cancer which yes, number one did. that's bullshit yes they did and number two a lot of people just died before they had chance to develop cancer yeah. because you could die really easily of a huge variety of things you can't read any medieval text without knowing about like massive lumps and lesions that everyone's yeah. just got all over them like on their then they just die off and everything yeah you just die what do you think that was and also, you could get them cut off, but there was no anaesthetic, so the pain of it... Like, I remember reading... I'm not even going into detail because it's very traumatic, but 
it was actually post-medieval, but a woman had a <gasps> cyst. Did you read this? Let's not go into details because it's horrible. Okay. She had a cyst on an, a female internal part and she started to have it cut off, but it was just so agonizing that she was like, no, I'll just die of cancer because it's so agonizing that I can't handle it. I thought you were going to mention the woman in America who had a uh, mastectomy with no... Oh, that as well. Yeah, yeah, crazy. That you just think, no, fuck it. I'll yeah. Just, I'll just die of this. Awful. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, that was a weird bit of medical knowledge that, you know, it's like we were saying, writers have a really wide amount of knowledge and no depth whatsoever. Yep. Don't understand the reasons for anything, ever. <laughs> I'm just, not, don't come to me for prostate advice, because it turns out I don't know anything. Apart um, from it needs milking. Does it? Yeah. Shut up. If you milk, that's what it is. If you milk your prostate, right, so if you... What do you mean you milk it? <laughs> it makes you, like, come. Really? And that stops you getting prostate cancer. No. Yes. I mean, you can yes. just come in a different way so have to, you have to come with your finger up your bum well it's two different comes isn't it I don't know yeah interesting we'll do a whole episode on it I reckon oh did you see the sad tweet about the guy who was like do you think female orgasm is a myth <laughs> it did oh. my dude oh you've oh. told the world then haven't you you've just oh. told the world I know <laughs> keep that to yourself anyway we're not even at the end of this book by the way sorry so here's what happens <laughs> Just when you think, oh cool, she's just going to have to wrap it up now. There won't be any more elements added to this story. Dan wires up the pool with dynamite that he finds <gasps> in a shed. That he steals from a cop's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he fully blows up the pool. Like it blows up. Um, and then the police come and arrest Phil. Cool. And then here's what happens. Because we've got a lot of plot elements that need wrapped up. Here's what happens. Irene is an undercover cop. Okay. So that's why she had the different ID and why she's been acting hinky. Why does she have to be English kinky? then? Why couldn't she just be American? Deep cover. <laughs> I don't really know, honestly. Why, why couldn't she just be from Virginia? Yeah. I don't know. Sue, Vicky and Angel, remember they met up with her at the pool because they were investigating her because they thought she was suspicious. Oh. Okay. Also... Sharon's parents are reuniting she's got back with Dan the pool has been re rebuilt and the doll is smiling oh so I mean it's a lot this book and none of it really wraps up properly no I mean I quite enjoyed it because it certainly wasn't boring it was a lot I feel like Linda Cargill maybe did not trust the power of her own story because it's like every few pages she's like and this and this. It's like, and also this. It's like a weird teen drama. A murder mystery. And like a pirate story all happening at the same time. I feel like she's got one, like a wheel. You know, like a, a wheel of fortune or like a twister wheel. Yeah. Where every time she gets stuck, she's just like flicks the wheel. And then it's like explosion. Creepy doll. <laughs> can, I give you, can I give you my Paris favourite line? Yeah. <clears throat> the psychics convention was ordered to disperse. <laughs> nice. It's just like a brilliant microcosm. Why did they need to have the psychics convention? It could have totally so been left out. So that they could be like, spooky things is happening. It's just cold here. <laughs> you have to be psychic to know when it's cold. I'll tell you what, I'm fucking cold. Because <laughs> we're outside and we're in Scotland. So, do we have any 90s things? I'm going to say there's one because they've got flip phones. Oh my god, yeah. And someone says um, cellular phone yeah. at some point. I know. Uh, but it's not actually set in the 90s. I'm going to say it's set in, like, the 50s or 60s. Mm. Because here's some of the dialogue that we have. So the cool girls are described as 
the fastest set at Ocean High. Fastest set. Fastest oh my God. set. And then we also have this. So this is what Phil says when he starts to, to suspect that Sharon still likes Dan. He says, Say, honey, you aren't still sweet on this kook, are you? You aren't still sweet on this kook. Say, honey, you aren't still sweet on this kook. Say, honey. Exactly. Oh my God, do it in that voice. <laughs> Say, honey, you aren't still sweet on this kook. Exactly. Like a... Maybe that's what she's going for. <laughs> that sort of like snappy, like black and white American film yeah. where everyone talks a bit too quickly. <laughs> Same. You can also do this line in that voice. No cop is going to nab me and stick me with four murders. <laughs> no cop is going to nab me and stick me with four murders. <laughs> exactly. I feel like you should be chewing a cigar. <laughs> Also, the band, they have a band at the pool party and they play the Beach Boys. Right, yeah. Why do they play the, the Beach Boys? Why wouldn't they be playing I'd, fucking Boyzone or something? I'd play the Beach Boys now. Yeah, well, maybe, but they wouldn't have played it. I don't feel like they would have played it at a pool party in 1996. <laughs> yeah, probably not. They would be playing like. Um, NSYNC. Yeah, you know, it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. <laughs> Brian like, Adams, it's a bass. It's a bass they would be playing. <laughs> I don't really know what they'd be playing. So. Clearly not set in the 90s. Yeah, American things. You pointed out that they eat steaming cornbread hush puppies. But they also... What, what do you think the following item is? Brunswick stew prepared Georgia style. <laughs> I reckon it's got clams in it. Is that what Georgia means? I don't know. Brunswick means? Georgia stew. What's Georgia... All I know about Georgia is peaches. Has it got peaches in it? Peach stew. So what's the other Iced one? Iced tea. Served. Brunswick stew prepared Georgia style. So Brunswick stew, I reckon maybe like a thick beef, but instead of beef, peaches. <laughs> I would eat that. <laughs> no, beef and, I like meat and fruit together. No, no. I do. Uh, I don't know what steaming cornbread hush puppies is. Something bready? Hush puppies. Is a hush puppy... Because the other phrase that I remember reading in American books as a kid and being baffled by is a sloppy joe. Oh yeah, I know what a sloppy joe is though. Which seems like a, a weird invention it's like a meat sandwich but like with like but, but is it like it's, it's like, like a burger bun but like chili on it yeah doesn't it just all fall apart when you pick it up i don't know i don't think it's chili i think it's just like ground meat in a in a tomato sauce well how's that not a burger because it's it, it's not in a, it's not formed so it's just floppy mess yeah so i've made bread it with slop on it i've made a sloppy joe before and i did not enjoy how it how do you eat it with difficulty <laughs> It's just messy. I'm also troubled by... This doesn't seem to be so much a fashion now, but you know those really huge burgers that have got many layers in? I'm like, how are you supposed to get that in your mouth? I can, I can barely I've get... Like, a tiny mouth. I've got a really small mouth. Yeah. I've got generally a really small head. By the amount we talk, you would not think this to be the case. <laughs> we have very small mouths that move very fast. I generally can't eat a regular burger. Yeah. I just can't get my mouth... It's like I have to try and unhinge it like a snake and shove it all in. I mean, how do you manage with all those dicks? Yeah, I know. They're very small. It's tough. <laughs> I laughed so hard my heart fell off. <laughs> okay, do we have... Do you, sorry. Everyone you shagged that's listening to this is like, how dare you? I must be the exception. It was, of course, a joke. <laughs> so, do we have a too stupid to live heroin? I don't think she's stupid. I think everything that happens in this book is stupid. I don't think you can apply real normal judgments to You're this. You're right, you can't. Although I am going to say, sexy sociopath bad boy. Can I just, be Phil. Can I just read this line to you? She hadn't slept well and wasn't at her best at that hour, but Phil didn't notice and she didn't say anything for fear of angering him. But for she's fear, tired. For fear of angering him. Can I just say, if you are afraid of angering your partner... 
like maybe you don't want to anger them because it's just not nice it's just not nice and you would rather that they were happy but if you are afraid of angering them that's and not cool by telling them that you're tired yeah yeah get out of there that's not cool uh, death toll four girls which are never returned to or dealt with in any way and the salt shaker <laughs> and well, Phil who gets shot but he's fine maybe the salt shaker is living a whole new life <laughs> maybe the salt Up shaker pops out when he gets shot in the arm twice by police you think you kept it in there the whole time I would if I was Phil. I was going to say if you've got a salt shaker at your butt right now, but I don't want to know the answer. So <laughs> <laughs> is it good, though? Again, you can't apply <laughs> general... You can't apply normal rules to this book. It's like, there's a really funny... Um, so there's a British comedian called Stuart Lee, for those who aren't here. And there's like a... And one of I mean, his none DVD... of you are here. Pardon? You mean here in the UK? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who's not in this garden right now. There's one of his like DVD extras where he's getting like fake interviewed by another comedian, Chris Morris. And he says something like, you know, you can't say that nothing happened. And then they both start laughing hysterically and he goes, yeah, time passed and something happened. And that's how I feel about this book. Yeah. Can't say that a lot of things didn't happen. I'm going to say in terms of like a good story that's actually about something and ties together, I'm going to say two. Yeah. However, when it comes to good bad, five, five for good bad. Yeah, this I'm is. I'm going like, to say this is one of the good baddest books I've ever read. This is like the chaotic younger brother <laughs> to the surfer. Yes, which has got his shit together. It's still weird, but it's got his shit together. Which way around do you think it went? Do you think she wrote the surfer and then was like, "I didn't push this far enough." She wrote the surfer first. It's so she here. was like, "I didn't go far enough with this shit." Yeah, I need to push it more. I need to push the envelope more. Well, <laughs> Kenny, her son, is a special consultant who tells her what is interesting to kids and what isn't. Kenny, is this all your fault? I think it might be. Kenny Cargill, if you're listening, what were you thinking? (laughs) Ring in to whatever phone number you can get. Yeah, just ring anyone and tell them. What the fuck is going on? What (laughs) happened? I mean, I feel like this book was effective in that I will now read anything that Linda Cargill (laughs) has written. (laughs) Because it wasn't boring. And I don't know any other Point Horror books that are going for $60 on uh, eBay right now, so... Have we bumped up the prices of Point Horrors I'm by not saying talking this shit? It's us. But I'm also not saying it isn't. I mean, I do know that when we say what books are happening in the season, some loyal listeners do go and either they already have or they go and get the books. Mm-hmm. In fact, don't, didn't we get a tweet from an unnamed MSP <laughs> who is a loyal listener and tweeted a picture of having got all the books in yeah. preparation... So, like, in between helping to run a government during a pandemic, this person is (laughs) reading Point Horror. I still can't believe that people with legislative power listen to us voluntarily. But hello. um, Thank you. Nameless MSP, who we won't name. Um, And we're glad you're here. I did my brother's proxy vote, and you are his constituent in the area. And uh, so he voted for you. (laughs) For me. Was it last year or the year before that I was just in town? And... um, randomly went past the MSP office so we just went in and I was like look I'm just going to leave a badge and the girl was like oh my god do you do teenage scream <laughs> like, this is and you're weird. like to my shame yes. yes I'm so sorry I'm leaving now here's yes, a badge I'm sorry. <laughs> that should be the answer to everything yes, I'm like, did you write that you're like yes I'm sorry I feel like the answer to any question should be the answer that um, Brian on space gives to the question are you gay and he goes no as if like <laughs> No, but I, I should have, be. shouldn't I? I could be, though. No. That is my favourite. Uh, I think it was a vine. Do you remember the days of vine? Mm-hmm. And Annie's friend had a really funny vine. And my favourite vine that he ever did was... It goes like this. But imagine I'm a Glaswegian man saying it. 
Um, so my friend said to me, would you have sex with a guy for 20 grand? And I thought, hi, you need to get a loan though. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. That is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's it. Okay. That's the book. What we do next the whole time? Book. Next time we're doing Silent Witness by Carol Ellis, who has got Apache mm. history yeah. on this podcast. Uh, you t- tend to like the Carol Ellis books a lot more than I do because there was the one where there was the Tower of Tin Cans. I don't think I like her book. I'm just defending that idea. And also there was... Didn't she also do the one where it's set at the ski lodge? And I thought... And it was basically a rip-off of Rear Window and I thought it was really boring and you quite liked it. Yeah, I did quite like that one. But let's say that might kick this trend, this book. Didn't she do the body as well? I think she did. Which was not about a body. No, yeah. I don't know what's going (laughs) on with her. It's quite good fun. I can't get out. I can't figure out. Well, not to do any spoilers, but some of the books in this season... I think maybe the author started writing about something and then realised they weren't very interested in it and just made, just <laughs> did a complete else. left turn and wrote about something else instead. Um, so where can people get us between now and next week? They can get us on Twitter. <laughs> yes, that's his name. <laughs> what happened there? I, do you know what it is? I keep wanting to say Twitter. I think you should. should. So you can get us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore and on Instagram at Teenage Scream Pod. Yep. And then if you want to donate to the podcast um, to keep us in gloves and furry hats during this difficult period, uh, you can go to... <laughs> during this cold time. <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash Teenage Scream Podcast. And see you next week. Bye.